This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. On August 7th, 2005... This is MuggleCast, MuggleNet.com's brand new podcasting feature, episode 1, for August 7th, 2005. If you haven't finished reading book 6 yet, please do not listen to this podcast as we do talk about several different spoilers. Now, this is MuggleCast, MuggleNet's longtime podcasting feature, episode 200, for June 9th, 2010. If you haven't finished reading Book 7 yet, please do not listen to this podcast as we do talk about several different spoilers. Hello, this is David Heyman, and I'm the producer of the Harry Potter films, and this is MuggleCast. So, so first things first, Andrew, Micah and I, we showed up this morning on Skype to record our 200th episode of MuggleCast, and we were talking for a little while, and it occurred to us that we were just, we were missing something, the two of us, and we, at first, you know, we thought a little bit about what it was. The magic? No, 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 the magic was there, because it's our 200th episode. The heart and soul, the blood and sweat. It it was all there, Andrew, except... (laughs) We were missing our host. Yeah. Well, yes. What happened, man? Well, I'm I I'm, I'm back in New Jersey for a couple weeks to visit the family. This is also, you know, where um where you know I was recording MuggleCast for three four years. Your but, birthplace, the birthplace of MuggleCast. Oh, that's fitting. yes, exactly, exactly. This is the MuggleCast Hospital ward, <laughs> and so uh, I'm I'm still getting on to East Coast time. It's a little hard going from west to east. So, I, so I was sleeping, and at 10.06, I hear my phone ringing, and I'm like, oh no, that's Eric or Micah, and they're about to tell me that it's 10 o'clock, and I'm, <laughs> I overslept. So I'm sorry, guys, for, for, for not being up. I was planning on being up two hours early, I was going to polish the show, but oh well, you guys did it for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was surprising, because normally you're always online, I mean, even when you're... 30,000 feet in the air, you're online. So (laughs) to wake up this morning as we approach our 200th episode and not to see you online, we we got a bit worried. Did you feel uh, like yeah, did you well, feel like after after we interviewed you on the last episode of MuggleCast that that was it that you could just kick yeah, back? Yeah, and- yeah. There was nowhere else I needed to go. <laughs> that was good. But anyway, 
Welcome everyone to our 200th episode. We have reached a very nice milestone and we're so happy to say that we have an exclusive interview with the producer of the Harry Potter franchise, David Heyman. Mike and Eric conducted this interview a couple weeks ago. We said to WB, WB, we're, we're entering our 200th episode. We would love it. Could you please, please, please get us David Heyman? And they were so nice about it. Um, we got hooked up with Mr. Heyman. He was such a nice guy. It was a great interview. Micah and Eric did a great job, came up with some great questions, and David was very into it. I mean, he is a Potter fan, so you're going to love this interview. And we have, you know, we got news and uh, the usual stuff coming up on this week's episode. So let's get into it for the 200th time. I'm Andrew Sims. Hi, I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. nice the 200th time that was, that was really nice should, should i start every segment with for the 200th yes, time yes, absolutely <laughs> micah for the 200th time what's in the news this week wow I, I don't even know how to respond to that andrew that's just 200 times the muggle cast andrew yeah exactly <laughs> i think i think it would be fair to say if this is the 200th episode we've probably discussed about like a thousand news stories oh because we average least. about five news stories uh yeah that's wow. pretty amazing <laughs> a thousand separate news stories see people said there wasn't that much news in potter <laughs> yeah. yeah well speaking of news how about MuggleNet 2.0 i mean yes it launched finally we we talked about it on last week's show but i don't think it made the cut Right, because we we were having launch problems, so technical difficulties. I, I, yeah, and I even <laughs> said in that recording, Eric was like, "Is it going to be out by the time this episode's out?" And I said, "Eric, if it's not out, I'm going to be curled up in a corner crying uncontrollably." Um, but yeah, so we had technical difficulties, but now it's out. MuggleNet.com. You'll see the brand new website. I love this, and I may be biased because I pretty much designed the whole thing, but I love this website. Um, and if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely go to MuggleNet. It's a whole new design. We got new features. This site is packed with new features, but the greatest thing is that it actually loads faster than the old MuggleNet did, and that's a testament to um, the coding behind this. Um, I'm a bit of a coding nerd, and oh, oh, the way this thing is coded. It's a dream. Yeah. But um, So yeah, we got lots of new features. Do you guys... uh? Like the new I'm design? a big fan of the uh, the trivia, and uh, yeah. I've spent a little bit of time uh, programming all of that. But <laughs> so I guess I'm a little bit biased in that sense. Go and play trivia right now. Sign up and enjoy yourselves. But you know, I just like the way the site has been laid out. You know, it's it's just really clean look. It's easy to navigate, and uh, it I know people. Yeah, people were yeah. a little bit hesitant early on, but I, I think. You know, it's all because of change. We discuss this amongst ourselves, and you know, it takes yeah. a little bit 
to get used to. But, yeah. I, you know, I think the ability to share stories right away on, on Facebook and Twitter, that's really gone up. And uh, people seem to be commenting a lot more, a lot more opinionated. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I like, you know, refreshing the did you knows and looking at the quotes and the flashbacks and things like that. You know, because yeah. you forget yeah. exactly how much has gone on, you know, over the course of the last 10 years. Exactly. I think this was something that would, you know, if this were MuggleNet when it first started out, we may have looked for something different. As a 2.0, you know, now that there is all this information, to have it categorized like this is great. And there always was a lot to do on MuggleNet, but now with version 2.0, you can see visually on the page different things like, you know, the flashback and the trivia and the quote. All of that is is arranged in such a way that I I think it wows you, and it's not it's not overwhelming but at the same time, you get the, you know, it's a visual representation of all the things that have gone on and, and will go on. Like, even the video player is just a great feature. And, and the idea was behind some of the features here, like flashback, did you know, and of course, quote, which we've had for a while, and even trivia, is that every time you load the page, you're going to see something new. And most commented, big news, top commenters, those boxes are dynamic. So they'll be changing as the users basically shape the website with, uh, you know, um, commenting on stories. When there's a very popular story, it'll go up to the list of the, uh, on the, it'll go into the most commented box. And that helps people see what is hot lately on MuggleNet. And I love that feature. Yeah, we need yeah. to get welcome to the all new MuggleNet.com to shift off that a little bit, but. Well, here's a fun fact. It, 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 it'll display the top most commented stories of the past 30 days. Oh, okay. So. So it will, that thing will change but, eventually. But those three tabs, I think it allows the users to feel a lot more, you know, interactive with the site because yeah. what they're yeah. doing ultimately determines, maybe with the exception of big news, right. what right. is hot and what people are talking about. Yeah. Right. The themes, too. I was just going to bring that up. People have been asking, we're, we're going to create more, for those of you who are wondering. We just needed a, a, a set to kind of get started with. Yeah. And yes, yeah. I did push the Lego version. <laughs> well, Micah was like, create a Lego version, create a Lego version. <laughs> I have the Lego version as my, as my theme. Yeah, it's good. I like that one. Yep. Visit MuggleNet.com and check it out. Before moving along, we'd like to remind everyone again that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. One audiobook we'd recommend is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. You all know it's a classic story, and now you can get it for free. Just visit audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. What else is going on, Micah? Well, the other big news the, the last couple of weeks has been the Wizarding World theme park. We're you know, just about 12 days away from it opening when we're recording right now. Uh, but it did soft open to the public, and uh, we got a, a pretty in-depth look from InsideTheMagic.net. They had videos and photos from their trip within the park. And if you don't want to spoil yourself, I would advise not looking at these videos. I know a lot of people in the comments said, oh, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to wait till I get down there myself and you know experience it. But uh, we got to look at the Forbidden Journey queue, the Hogsmeade entrance to Hogwarts Castle, Ollivander's Flight of the Hippogriff. Uh, there's really no place that they didn't go and shoot video. 
So yeah. uh, I took a look at some of it. Uh, we also had a review of the Forbidden Journey ride. I didn't look at that at all, so I don't have any news to report on that. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? That that one that we posted is spoiler free. Oh, is and it? And he actually, yeah. So you can check that out. That I did read. Yeah, well, that. it's I, I still I wouldn't draw attention to it. I don't really like this review. I mean, it's it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like I don't know. It's a crap review. Well, it's it kind wasn't... of like hey, you know, just they don't they, like it's spoiler free, but at the same time, it's not really. You know, they say, oh, I must emphasize again that this is nothing like you've seen before, but yet they they say it's like lacking uh, story. story. Like, it's a big mashup, yeah. Like, I mean, I that's sort of what I expected because if you're gonna make a Harry Potter ride, you need to one sum that. Up. You yeah, you gotta yeah. mash it all together. That's and like, fans really yeah. won't mind that, I don't think. I don't think so either. Like the Back to the Future ride, for instance, was I mean, I guess they, yeah. they created an all new story. If you remember it, I guess it either burned down or it was closed. It's now the Simpsons, uh, at Universal. But at any rate, you know, that was like a new story in the Back to the Future universe. It was short, there was like some kind of time travel. Biff had stolen the DeLorean for the umpteenth time and I think I went know, on that ride about two. It was, years it was ago. a great ride. It was, it was great. <laughs> It had its own score, which I'm sure this does. So, I, you know, I compare that a lot to it, and I think that's uh, what Universal Rides are all about. So I think the lack of specificity on the part of this review was was kind of what upset me. Like, if you're going to go to the park and, you know, review the the ride that's most talked about, I, I think, I don't know, maybe I should search their site for a, for a better review of it. Well, Andrew... Well, he also just did post a spoiler review, so... <laughs> if you want to, uh, if you want to be spoiled, now you can that I that, can, but... I don't know that I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Micah. Well, I was going to say that you and I will be down there for the opening of the park in yes, you know, about a week and a half or so. So, if you want real reviews, uh, I'm sure Andrew and I will <laughs> yeah. be doing something. Well, you know, I possibly say, a podcast. This guy, this inside the magic guy, his name's Ricky. He's really cool, and obviously, he's done a great job with coverage. I mean, he's gotten some amazing HD videos of the park. Yeah, the um, videos are good. The videos are yeah. really good. But yeah, um, Mike and I will be down there. Universal was very nice to give us three tickets to the grand opening. And we'll be going, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll post a review, absolutely. Um, there will be a lot of coverage. I got my I got my video camera and my photo camera, and I'm going to be... I'm not going to overdo it, because at this point, people have seen tons of photos, but... I think the main focus of the reporting will be on the grand opening itself because, you know, a lot of stars will be there. Absolutely. I'm going to go check out the Hogshead and see if, um, you know, Aberforth is in. You know, another thing I found (laughs) out through the soft opening is that they are serving authentic UK beer. Wow. Yes, they are. And that includes Stella. Oh, I don't know if Stella is an English beer, but, yeah, Stella Artois. Um, Strongbow, that is a very popular um, cider in England. I love Strongbow. I, I just started, I had some a couple months ago in England. Um, yeah, so a lot of authentic beer, and then right next to it is the Hogshead <laughs> uh, beer. Um, yeah, yeah, they spout, have their own brew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so very cool, very cool. I gotta say, I'm pretty satisfied with all this, um, how the park's looking. Yeah, and now there's a, there's a, a store at the airport with some of the merchandise. How did that that surprised me. What did you guys think of that? Well, because Universal has a store in the airport, so I guess it makes sense to sell it there. Yeah, but I, you know, it's kind of 
uh, you know, a little bit premature in my opinion because the park hasn't really officially opened yet. So to have that store there, I mean, it kind of takes away With a little its, bit. It's, yeah, it does. Because it has I exclusive merchandise. I mean, that's... But this is a good way to promote the, the, the Wizarding World because when people go into that store in the airport, they see all this cool merchandise where they're like, wow, all this is there? Mm-hmm. I've never been able I'll to find this anywhere really else. I'll see how really cool it is. You and I will check it out. <laughs> you should broadcast yeah, from the airport we should. store. I know the pictures look good. I mean, they, they are selling a lot of merchandise at the steam park that you cannot get anywhere else. Yeah. It's expensive, though. Um, but Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not surprising. But uh, no. the other big news of, uh, you know, the last few weeks was Deathly Hollows. The epilogue, I think, yeah. is complete in terms of filming. We had a lot of video, um, a lot of photos uh, from this epilogue scene. And wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what we saw, you know, looking at Draco and Ron and... Harry, not too much of Hermione, uh, very few photos actually. We did get to see Ginny as well as all of the kids. You know, looking at this, uh, I thought they looked, at least uh, from Draco's standpoint, a little bit too old. I mean, they're only in their 30s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a bit worrying, and a lot of people were saying this in the comments as well. Um, personally, I, yeah, I agree. Draco looks a little too old, Harry looks a little too old. But I think there's that, you know, in a way, it is a bit unfair to judge already because when it gets on film, you know, the lighting's going to be different. They're going to be shooting these guys from different angles. They may even do some digital touch up. They may realize, oh my God, they looked way too old. That's actually extremely true because what uh, I guess it's good to add more wrinkles and more detail that you can take out as opposed to trying. To that's true. Yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. So the computer. So maybe, maybe they will look younger. I mean, I, I, one of the one of the photos of Dan, um, he looks younger. Like he has a huge forehead, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but he looks really young. And then in the other one that we saw with him and uh, and Ginny, he looks quite a bit older. But I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's too soon to judge. I think the important thing is that none, you know these aren't official. Videos that that you know, I'm sure if WB had their way, the, these photos wouldn't exist. And frankly, like, I don't know that. I, I mean, I just think that um, you know, I, I think it is too soon, and I think uh, we should wait for official kind of material to. Yeah, no, well, that's right. I will say the women and children all look good. They they don't look too old. The kids look right. Um, Bonnie looks good, and her um, Emma, who plays Hermione, of course, she. She didn't look too old either. I, I I think they did the least to her actually. Um, we saw one or two pictures. Yeah, it's because um, she's a, it's because she's she's got a contract with Burberry. She can't age too much or or, or <laughs> appear to have aged in in anything. Oh man, so. that could be true. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, we we can't judge too much just yet. But it was cool to see all these pictures coming out of uh of of the yeah. Uh, Filming of that below. Yeah, I mean, we're getting close. We only got probably like two weeks left of filming for them, and and then it's yeah. all a wrap. We've we've been hearing from different actors that are that are done filming. I know the Phelps twins are done. Chris Rankin is done. Warwick I think. Davis. Uh, Warwick yeah. Davis is done now. So uh, it's it's slowly coming to an end. I remember when we posted a couple months ago that Alan Rickman had finished filming. Everybody was starting to realize that this is all slowly but surely coming. Yeah, to an I would end. say they're about. This may be the week coming up, or the week you're listening to this episode, and maybe the the final week because they had about two weeks left, and that was 
a week ago at least. It may have been more. I mean, they could be done now. Well, we saw also, uh, you know, the touch-up shots. You guys, you guys remember this that were posted? Um, the t- the reshoots, the Deathly Hallows. Yeah, reshoots, they were doing reshoots. Where they're right. in the field and stuff, and and and, th- and this is this is pretty cool. I mean, because it's again. Is that like it, post-production work uh, in a way? Sort they, of. Kind of. It's like either if they didn't get the scene they wanted the first time or if they realized upon seeing an edited, like a cut, a rough cut copy that they could use filler or if they have pushed scenes off, like little little clips, like into, you know, then right. they'll yeah. go back and I mean, shoot it. Yeah, they could just be not, they could just not be happy with what they shot. You know, about a year ago, they they were filming those same scenes about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, because photos leaked from it that time too. So. Right, right. Well, and uh, that was with Slytherin's locket, and I know David Heyman talked a little bit about that in the interview. So. Yeah, but but we did miss the uh, the epilogue. We did we didn't get to talk to him about the the epilogue. Uh, he did mention about it. Um, but as far as the the mass hordes of pictures and videos happened like a few days after we interviewed him so uh that will not be on the interview i just feel like i should prepare people uh who are looking just for that yeah but i i think also though anytime you film in a public place like that you're you're opening yourself up to photos and videos and that's just the nature of what happened here Uh, i mean surely they built a king's cross set right for the for the scene where harry's in the afterlife or not i mean do you think they filmed that at king's cross too well, they could probably do that at Leavesden with a bit of green screen work, I think, because it doesn't necessarily have to all be replicated oh, just like of a pillar, King's right? Cross because it's, it's kind foggy. of a, yeah. a foggy... Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, well, uh, other bit of news, we, we got to look at some of the props yeah. uh, that are going to be used in Deathly Hollows, uh, specifically The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. We got to look <laughs> at that book and A History of Magic by Bethilda Bagshot. So, those are... Two books that play a big role uh, in the final film. I love so, the cover of Life and Lies. I thought they did a good job yeah, with I, that. I like yeah. History of Magic better. Very Rita Skeeter-ish. Uh, I think, yeah, it is very Rita Skeeter-ish. It's kind of like a tabloid-esque, you know, cover. Yeah, but the theme with all these is that they're definitely very authentic. I mean, such cool props. Oh, yeah. And a lot of well, in such detail. I mean, if you look and you read through some of the pages that they took pictures of, there's actual content yeah, yeah, on like there. relevant content, like the the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore. There's a there's a, the books open, and you can read the story. And I assume that story is the one that I was asking if that was yeah in the book. Yeah, a sample of it. I mean, but this can't be the whole story, of course. I mean, it must be the same pages. Well, I, I feel like it only has the pages that they're going to show on film, like. Right, right. The rest would be, you know, lorem ipsum no like. quam. Yeah. I, I just noticed on, like, the, the, <laughs> the backside of the cover, uh, when when you see the open page picture of Life and Lines, you can see Rita, Rita's face on the uh, along the side. Oh, really? It's pretty funny, yeah. Didn't she say she wasn't coming back? <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, and I think we talked about this on yeah. a, a couple episodes ago. She she did end up coming back. But such a back. huge part. Such a huge part. But I think it was just to do some quick reshoots. Oh yeah, you're you're right. There right, is her right. face on the. Uh, it's kind of like I guess a book cover or the the inlay of the uh, of the book. That's that's very cool. Yeah, that is a very cool touch. Speaking of uh, casting, Peter Milan uh, is going to be playing or Mullen, sorry, as uh, as Yaxley. 
the Death Eater, and uh, you know, it's good to know since he's in the opening yeah, yeah, scene yeah. of Deathly Hollows that he will be in the movie. <laughs> Michael, why are we getting and, this news uh, so late? What's I don't know. I don't know. Um, the other piece was that Nanette Finch has been cast as Augusta Longbottom. And so the, these small little pieces of casting news, I guess, they needed to uh, get out there before the movie starts being highly publicized because uh, these were two characters. Well, actually more so. I remember we talked a little bit about that on the show. We had never heard any information as to who was cast uh, for him. And the, and the others uh, were, the, were the Dumbledores. Uh, you yeah. know, that family, you know, did they cast them? Uh, because there's obviously a lot of backstory there, uh, and uh, it's good to know. Like I said, Yaxley he he plays a big role in in the opening scene with Snape, and then obviously uh, in the Ministry. Well, that's the thing about this whole casting thing. Like you, WB didn't announce it. Nobody announced it. It was just put on their 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 websites, right? The actors' right, website, right. and I think that's why it comes out so late, just because. Like when the actors themselves get around to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think they were allowed to yeah. because uh, they were allowed to post that because WB is always so secretive. And by the way, the pictures of those props, WB can't be happy with that either. I mean, they they keep everything yeah. under tight wraps. <laughs> so, but uh, w- well, with these two, I think uh, the thing is that uh, they also weren't included on that press release that WB sent out. You yeah, those were minor. That's where we learned those about were minor characters, though, right? Yeah, 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 that is where we're oh, yeah. about Marina Richardson. Um, and one other thing, actually, while we're mentioning, you know, what WB does and doesn't care about anymore, you know, if, Careful, if these, if, <laughs> if these photos that, no, this is a compliment, the epilogue photos, they, they didn't complain a bit, but you know, with Half-Blood Prince filming, I remember some pictures of filming from that came out and they asked us to take it down. You know, fine, whatever. But, you know, the epilogue is something I would think you would want to keep pretty under... You would <laughs> want it to stay under tight wraps because you want to do a big reveal of how they actually look. So I'm kind of surprised they actually didn't complain about the epilogue pictures. My theory on that is that the epilogue is such a huge and unique deal to everybody. Like, I remember when Deathly Hallows came out. You it's know, everybody's scene? The ep- <laughs> they, well, no, it's it's impo- it's important because it's the end of the series, and I think it's symbolic that, you know, I mean, I think they knew that people were going to seek seek it out, and I think, you know, due to the very nature of the epilogue, that many people wish it had never been included in, in the Deathly Hallows book. I'm not one of them, but I, I think that's, that is safe to say that a lot of people didn't like it, um, the way that it, that, w- that it ended or whatever, but it's... So it's a conclusion. It's separate from the movie. It's not like no, you know, if you re- reveal some photos of the epilogue, it's not like you're going to get a secret glimpse into what the rest of the movie is like. In a, you know, I know, you but know I'm just way, saying it's it ruining the surprise of the epilogue. Yeah, that that it is. I mean, I I would have been. I, I was interested in seeing you know the makeup and all of that, you know, for the first time on screen. Yeah, like perhaps without. But I think it goes back to. Uh, what I was saying before, though, is anytime you do it in a public place, you risk the exposure, and there's no way to really con- control that. I mean, it's one thing if one photo leaks out online and, you know, the fan sites pick it up and post it. It's completely different if you're filming in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people who walk through that station every day. There's nothing that you can do about that. So they went into it knowing, oh, photos are going to come out. Okay, Michael, what else is going on? Well, uh, there was a little bit of a clip that aired for Deathly Hollows. Finally! Finally. Oh my goodness. Uh, what are you guys saying finally for? What do you mean by that? Because the last clip we saw came out 
about six or seven months ago now it's been, when the Half-Blood Prince DVD came out. So this is basically our second uh, batch of footage. And I mean, it's not true. really a trailer. I, I, what do you guys yeah. think? Well, yeah, it's it w- it's not, and that's what upset me because it was a sneak peek. They never promised a trailer, though. Keep that in mind. I don't know. I get the feeling that the press release said just from part one or something, but it was it's another preview of clips from both films, actually. <laughs> and I, I just get the feeling like by this time I expected a trailer for part one. Like, sure, it's cool to see some things about part two, but it's like a year and a half away or whatever. Actually, no, just a year. Wow. Well, um, remember we we found out a, a few weeks ago that the first trailer will be coming at the end of this month. So. Well, that's that's good, but at the same time, like this, I I just don't know why they're showing us stuff from part two. Like, sure, they filmed them at the same time, but it's like, I I just I want to start getting excited about part one and only part one. You well, know what I'm saying? You're so, not going to get that much of a look into part two. It's just not going to happen. I I think probably with the MTV Movie Awards, what they did was they they gave them the best of of what they had to offer. Yeah, we and, um what what stood out to me first of all that shot of the dragon. And yeah. and down in Gringotts, that was awesome. And what this tells me, and we saw a few scenes, not just the Gringotts with the dragon, but we also saw a couple shots of Voldemort, and we saw the protection around Hogwarts. So they have a lot of the special effects done, and they look great. Don't you guys agree? Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I didn't get uh, too excited with the protection around Hogwarts. It, it looked a little odd, to be honest with you. It looked like the the giant blob from horror movie <laughs> lore was surrounding itself it's, uh, around the castle. Uh, and the bubble the was quite large, wasn't it? The bubble was quite large. It was not just around Hogwarts, like proper, like the ac- the actual castle. It was around, um, you know, everything from like the lake. It was a really far out shot. It was pretty ridiculous. Like wherever they would be attacking from. That, that the bubble is breaking, it just seemed like the bubble was, was far too large. Like, it, the Hogwarts was very small inside it, and I don't really, I don't understand that. The first time I saw it, I didn't even realize that was Hogwarts in there. Like, because it, well, it looked yeah. so dim. The low-quality version was kind of bad for that. I, I think I, I remembered, I, I, th- I really thought Voldemort was on the train tracks in front of the Hogwarts Express. That's what it looked like to me, too, wasn't it? When I first saw it, yeah, it wasn't, though. It's, I think it's the Caro guy. For some reason. Like, it's not Voldemort, because if you, like... I'm going to try and find the time Yeah, it, it's definitely a Death Eater. It's it's not Voldemort, but... I, I wonder if they went for that special effect overhead, because that gives them uh, sort of the, the Deathly Hollows book cover look, possibly, um, when, the, when the battle happens in the Great Hall. What do you mean, overhead? Well, they have this thing that looks like, a, you know, a darkened sky slash blob thing that's over Hogwarts, and I'm saying that's very similar to the cover of the book. You know I what I mean? It, I thought it was like planet Earth at first on fire or something. <laughs> it, it looks like a few continents in the ocean. It, it's just... I don't know. I don't know what to think about. I, like, I guess it's alright if you can see Hogwarts through it, but just a quick glimpse, which is yeah. what the sneak peek shows. Maybe at yeah. the theme park, they're going to be able to uh, put this around the castle there. That'd be pretty cool. But a couple of things that I picked out um, of this, which I didn't really get, were, number one was, was Hedwig being sent off uh, yeah. at yeah. the very beginning. It Doesn't she get the boot? <laughs> To yeah, a powder just puff of feathers. I guess he's... I, <laughs> Unless they decided not to kill her. There's no way they didn't kill her. What if this was before before um, they even uh, escape? Yeah, but there's not much that goes on before that. 
not in the books. Maybe he's maybe he's learning about Horcruxes. Maybe he's writing to people. Yeah, like uh, like yeah. Hepzibah Smith's uh, grandchild. You know that he's keeping up correspondence, and yeah, that's how he finds out that there's a cup at Gringotts. Or maybe he's accepting the wedding invitation and like saying, <laughs> maybe that's it. That could be it. it it's going to be something silly like that. I think it, this that is definitely at the beginning of the movie. It has to be. There's no way they didn't kill Hedwig. Hedwig. <laughs> if they didn't kill Hedwig. That would be stupid. All bets are off. <laughs> I would, I would, I would throw a Hedwig doll at David Yates at the premiere and be like, "This guy was supposed to be dead," or maybe this is a, some marketing plot for the theme park because they sell Hedwigs there. Well, uh, some of the other stuff, w- which led to Eric saying earlier that there's stuff from the the second part was there's a, a shot of Harry and Ginny at Hogwarts, and uh, there was also. Um, yeah, they they were doing a little bit of that, and uh, <laughs> uh, Gringotts, which I would think would, as well as the shot of Hogwarts. So I guess that could probably be uh, in either part. They could do a shot of of that protection over Hogwarts, but uh, I would think that the Gringotts scene would probably be in in the second film. Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. There's um, a cool quick shot in the cafe. Overall, just a great. I was really excited to see this, and I'm glad. You know, it, and and MuggleNet when this when this premiered, it, it, the site crashed. Like we got <laughs> so much traffic, and while I was like, uh, I was also like, that's awesome. You know, because so many people are going to MuggleNet after. Probably, can we replicate this? Can we? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I hope not. We're gonna try to fix it for the future, but very cool. Yeah, it got everyone very excited. Yeah, yeah, just that, I mean, even though it's a few a few frames, that dragon just pulling himself out of you know, and he, I think he's in chains. You hear chains like getting crunched, and he's like breaking through pillars. That's awesome. Yeah. Except what what was missing was uh, the trio on its back. I guess I don't. Maybe know. they had to wait till he, he got outside. You know, he's got to break through the wall first. You know, he can't break through <laughs> the wall with them on top. That right, that right. All safe. that rubble will fall on them. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, another thing that that led me to realized that this was some stuff from the second film was uh voldemort he's he has a line in there where he says the boy who lived come to die what's harry doing when he's saying that because harry's backed up against the wall do you it's it's, it's like 29 seconds in and it's just he he's in you know, this that mo- could be in the moment of severe pain it doesn't make any sense godric's hollow i mean that could be in it doesn't have to be from the second film uh, part it could be from the first part when they're in Godric's Hollow and and he just you know sort of deceives Harry into into coming into the house and upstairs. I mean that would be my guess. Oh, because he collapses then, doesn't he? Right after um right after Bethilda Snake comes out of <laughs> Bethilda body. That was a weird weird moment. So overall, There's- great great look, and uh, this is. I mean, you know, we heard about this big marketing campaign starting at the end of June, and it looks like this is sort of like the tip of the iceberg. Very, well, you left very out good. the most important scene that people that? will be talking about was the fight. Oh, uh, yeah, between Harry well, and Ron. Yeah, that's actually, I, I mean, I feel like that is going to be a, an amazing part of the movie. Why, like, why do you say that? I mean, it looked good, but I mean... Well, just compare I, it to... Uh, okay, compare it to Harry and Ron's fight in Goblet of Fire, the movie. Did you even remember that Harry and Ron fought in Goblet of Fire, the movie? Be honest. I'm trying to think, but I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the, 
the he was that friend in Prisoner of Azkaban, but that's it. No, there was like you know that fifteen minutes where like Ron's not speaking to Harry, and then there's that I'm not an owl. Emma oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I you totally forget that happened. Sure, but my prediction is that in Deathly Hallows, you're not going to forget that this happened. Sure, maybe it's because he's going to be missing for half the movie, but <laughs> you know, I I think I think the acting is just completely picked up. You can tell from well, the fight is a bit more physical here too. Yeah, as opposed true. to Goblet of Fire. Yeah, um, and there's also like the a shot after that of what looks like Harry trying to destroy the, uh, or maybe Ron destroy the locket. It's like a really quick yeah. scene. Yeah, I think it's Ron, and I think you're right. And it's cool because it goes straight from that to the dragon, dragon busting down a pillar or two. Uh, and it's really been busy news-wise. Uh, we found out that uh, Electronic Arts is going to release. Uh, Deathly Hollows video game part one, so they are maximizing their revenue. There will be a part two. <laughs> well, I feel, I feel, I feel like well, you can't I mean, release stuff. We debated that. We debated that. I feel for like you a while. can't release part. Two. You you can't release a game that has part two stuff if the movie hasn't been. I mean, a movie game doesn't work that way. Well, I mean, they could have waited until part two was about to be released in theaters and then That's released true. a game, but they're deciding to do it. You know, part one and part two. What? I think I think maybe judging from uh, MuggleNet staffer Nick's review, and, and and Nick did go to Electronic Arts headquarters in Surrey, um, and he posted a pretty cool report, which is you know readable on MuggleNet. But judging from his report, they seem to kind of uh, been a little wary about some of the criticism the games have received in the past. So I'm suggesting that maybe they split the game in two just in case <laughs> they still don't get it right after Deathly Hell is Part 1, the game. Well, I'm sure they're developing it fully right now. I mean, it doesn't really make sense for them oh, yeah. to wait to develop the whole thing. I mean, they're they're going to get input from Warner Brothers and where this movie, you know, splits and where it ends and all of that other stuff. So I just think that so far the reaction, as you mentioned, Eric, has been kind of negative. We got that first look at the picture before Nick gave his report uh, online, uh, and people didn't seem to be too happy with it. And I know Nick mentioned that the graphics do improve, that a lot of the photos that are coming out right now are kind of early stages of how things look, and he wanted people to know that so that they didn't you know, jump to conclusions, all oh, these graphics are terrible. Um, but that one picture that we did see early on was was this battle between the trio and the Snatchers somewhere in the forest. And I, and I think, you know, I've been highly critical of the EA games, and I know some of the other people have too. Um, but I think this may be a little bit different, you know, being removed from Hogwarts and kind of having a little bit more of this free roaming ability, you know, to be in a different setting completely. Yeah, but but wasn't that the, the appeal of Half Blood Prince? You were in a free setting too, but you could walk. Well, around you Hogwarts. were limited to the Hogwarts ground. In this I one, mean, you can go. Anywhere. You couldn't. Well, this one's just this well, one just again, doesn't. I don't according know to Nick's review, this sure. one just doesn't take place at Hogwarts, like you, you know. And 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 he has some bullet points like you can defend the borough and stuff. Like I, I just I have no idea what the setting or even the, you know the plot of the game will be. I just I just think looking at a picture and maybe this is like a complete one, you know, of what I said about the epilogue. But I just think looking at that that Deathly Hallows picture, I don't I don't know what people are complaining about for the video game, like. Quality-wise, there was nothing wrong with that picture of Harry. There, sorry, the trio and the Snatchers. Like, games now are in such high definition, 1080p. You know, I, I don't, I don't think there was anything missing or wrong with the graphics. My God, I mean, maybe my, maybe it's because my favorite video game ever is like Crash Bandicoot from 1997. <laughs> but still, like, so, so I, you know, I don't have high expectations. I want the game to play well. 
Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if my HD TV is going to get optimum resolution for the game. For me, if the game is good, it's going to be good. You know, it does to me. I need to see Harry, <laughs> Hermione, and Ron, and all their 1080p glory. Well, here's here's some here's some quick bullet points from Nick's review. Sorry, Nick, for bastardizing these by just taking them all and using what we liked. Um, that's what we do. Uh, the wand, okay, Crucio as a spell will be available um, in the game, Andrew. So I don't know what you're talking about. You know, we need more spells, but it will be weak as Harry's intent is not evil. So what do you think the the purpose of this Crucio spell is going to be in the game if it doesn't, if it's weak? Like, what does that mean? You're going to be going around mildly hurting people. Well, maybe just to uh, get away. You know, if you need to shoot a quick spell yeah, and yeah. put somebody under this curse. Um, could that also be a way to away. keep the game rated like PG or something? Or whatever the game E? Well, I feel like uh, I feel like there is some attention drawn to escaping the Snatchers. And, and a lot of the... Uh, it, and Nick's report gives a list of some of the enemies. Um, interestingly, even though the game's not set at Hogwarts, there will be some returning creatures such as trolls and... Whomping willows, even. Hmm. Dragons, Dragons. Well. pixies again. I I don't know if they'll find pixies in the wild, <laughs> but that'd be kind of cool. I, yeah. Well, see, I like this this side to the game because they're trying to bring back um, parts of of the series that maybe uh, people would be familiar with. So I, I do like this attempt by EA to kind of be all encompassing. But again, it's going to come down to the gameplay and, you know, how true does it stay to the movies? And, and I guess that will also, you know, be how true to the movies stay to the books, um, you know, for, for the, the enjoyment factor. Um, and, and I think, and I don't remember the number, but th- there was close to, was it like 25 hours of gameplay or something like that? I forget it. Nick mentioned it in his report, but th- that's a lot compared to, you know, where this Half-Blood Prince and Order of the Phoenix games uh, were at. I mean, you could probably get through it in a couple of hours without, yeah, you know, too very much true. effort. And I think that a large, a large bit of the focus of the, of the you know, at least five, I know, mo- of, of movie game five was, you know, free-roaming Hogwarts, and they put a lot of effort into it, um, but I think that kind of detracted from the story gameplay because they, they spent so much time building this Hogwarts that in the, in, you know, in the, yeah. when the final product came around was was empty Hogwarts. I mean, you could do exploding snaps. Yeah, it is empty. That's, that's a great word. I agree with that. I think that that's probably the best way to describe what it was is it was empty. There was nothing going on. Yeah. You could pass students and maybe you could hit them with a spell, but I mean, there wasn't enough happening. There, there wasn't enough side tasks or side stories, you know, if, if you were roaming around the castle to get involved with. And I think that's really where they missed the boat. So saying, you know, removing that e- from the equation, you think, well, now they don't need to worry about, you know, free-roaming Hogwarts anymore. You want Until to- part two. <laughs> yeah, until part two. Well, I really want to see Grand Theft Dragon. I think they should release a, a separate video game, you know, Electronic Arts Grand Theft Dragon, focusing just on the Gringotts escape sequence. You know, st- beat up a goblin, steal his minecart. So if you want to read all about uh, this video game, Nick did r- write up a great report. You can check it out on the site. Um, I'm sure we'll post a link in our, our MuggleCast show notes. But to wrap up video game news, uh, LEGO Harry Potter released what I think will probably be their final vignette unless they do a compilation of, of all of the different years uh, for their video game. Uh, this one was year four, Goblet of Fire. Uh, and just quickly what your guys' thoughts were. It 
looks pretty good. It, you know, they seem to be staying pretty true uh, to the to the books, actually. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's really it's really nice to see all these scenes come to life uh, in Lego form. It's just really clever how it all looks, and and each one of these vignettes gets more and more exciting because you, you're seeing all these things in the film now in video game form. Uh, in in a clever you know cartoonish Lego sort of way, it's really it's really uh, fun to watch. So what else is going on? Well, Andrew, as you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this is our two hundredth. Oh, episode. really? Yeah. So I thought a good way uh, to wrap up the news, or actually, you thought a good way to wrap up the news, uh, would be talking about you know two hundred episodes. It it is a milestone for us. Um, you know, of course, we want to thank the listeners. We wouldn't be here 200 episodes later without all the great people uh, that listen to our show and that we've met along the way at all of the different places that we've been to. You know, it's it's funny you should say that, Micah, because uh, a lot of us aren't here <laughs> anymore. There's only three of us. It's like it's like it's like Muggle well, Survivor here. Uh, you know, who has made it? Who has well, made Andrew it through was 200 episodes? Well, you, you know? know what? We should say that Jamie wanted to be on the show today, but he's in the middle of moving, and he he so he couldn't make it. He didn't have internet, but he did send us some make the connection ideas, uh, which we'll awesome. we're gonna read through in in a little bit. But yeah, we we um, wouldn't we wouldn't be yeah. here. Even the three of us wouldn't be here if it weren't for the fans. Absolutely. I mean. It, it it's you know we say it all the time but it's absolutely true and um so we're very appreciative of everyone who's been listening uh whether it's been five years or whether you just started listening the other day yeah and that's we, we talk about this a lot i think the last couple of episodes but we really do have a lot of new listeners that are that are just sort of coming on board and uh, i know we get a lot of emails about downloading old shows and, and to kind of get a feel for for what things were like up to this point um but i like your idea eric maybe we should go and hire jeff probes to come in and, and read the final votes for for the for the three of us and see yeah. who wins uh to be on the final show but i mean Based off what Andrew's saying, it's kind of like with moving on from the PS2 to the PS3. I mean, people have, you know, th- th- there's other commitments that come up and there are things that uh, you know, people have to do. That's just the way that it works. Uh, and I think it's not that they don't want to be on the show. I mean, I think we always get people who are asking us, you know, where's Ben? Where's Jamie? And Laura's off in some foreign country somewhere. Who knows when They'll she's coming back. They'll all be back. We can promise you that. They will. But yeah, I mean, I like even, even I, I think what sticks out for me too, for the most, you know, throughout the past 200 episodes is, is you know, the emails that we get from the people and, and not just, um, you, you know, I mean, people from all different walks of life, you know, and, and people we'd meet at the live events like college professors and, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of people from, from all different walks of life and, 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 you know, their support and whether you're a new listener or an old listener, if you can take something from the show or even send in an email of your thoughts and, and help us add to it, like it's, it's been a collective organic process and uh it does work around people's you know time schedules and it was a lot easier to get everybody on when we were all in high school and and when we weren't oversleeping and missing the uh recording well that's just your <laughs> problem i don't think i ever have that problem Andrew. yeah i don't think many we haven't had many oversleeping cases we've had a lot of um audio files that have disappeared what are, what are some other big flops we've had ben was trying to get wireless in a car yeah, in kansas right. somewhere there's been times where we you know we were getting ready to record for so long we were just like oh screw it let's do it tomorrow <laughs> there was one episode that was completely lost uh i remember right. that well I, I i did i think as far as audio is getting lost 
That's happened, I think, twice for me. You win the title I, for I win that. The, oh, so come if, on. If, if we're doing Survivor and you're like the fan favorite for that, you would get the $100,000 for losing the most audio. Well, I, I did. I did. I remember completely re-recording my – I had like a – it didn't record correctly. I think the RAM on my computer was low. And so the entire episode – Andrew, do you remember this? Where like my audio clip for the entire episode was like the beginning and end of my sentences or words in yeah, response. Yeah, I think But, I but what that. I did is I used the echo – that I heard in that audio file from everybody, what everybody else was saying, to completely re-record everything I had said, and of course it was still fresh on my mind, to rebuild the episode. But then there was one that I think we just lost the audio file and we had to re-record because it wasn't... That was episode 13, but we talk about that far too often yeah. on the show. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of great memories of recording this podcast over the years, and it's just been so much fun. And, you know... I think... Uh we should take a moment also to uh, to thank the the transcribers, um, all of them that have been a part yeah. of the show for yeah. 200 episodes. I mean, they've obviously changed. Uh, somebody named Matt Britton started as a transcriber, and you know he. Someone named Micah Tannenbaum started as a transcriber too. <laughs> That's wow. true. Way back in episode right. one. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting to see how things change, and obviously everybody over there does does a tremendous job. I think you know we're we're pretty much caught up. We're at episode 196 now, so you know just being at 200, there's there's not too much of a gap, and you know we try and get things out on time, and and they really do do a great job, and you know it's kind of one of those thankless jobs, you know people take it for granted. Um, you know, sometimes that is that the transcript is just there, but yeah. it, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, on I mean, if you're parts. if you if you started out, I mean, if you've been a MuggleCast transcriber at any point in the history of MuggleCast, we thank you. And not only that, but we understand if you're no longer with us, we get it. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, I'm going to go further and say, you know, I'm sure the transcribers transcribing this episode, tasked with that, um, would just appreciate really if we didn't. You know, if we quit thanking them because they're transcribing every word, but right. th- that, that said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sum this up in in quite a few more words here. Uh, transcribers, thank you. Oh, that was good. Thought I was about to get good, serious but, for a moment. Uh, but no, I mean, I know people who have who have used that experience on resumes and and in job applications. Um, you know, for what they did on the site, and you know, it's helped them out mm-hmm. a lot. So very cool. It, it, it's a valuable experience, I, I guess. I have my original microphone sitting right here that I recorded the first oh, episode with. wow. It's a little Logitech desktop microphone, so it does, it's not a headset. You just... Aren't the rest of us still all using those? Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> on my headset right I now. have no... Andrew, um, Andrew sent me a new headset about a year ago or two, and I've been using that one. But I have the original somewhere. I, I think it's at home. I think it's probably next to my can of Tootsie Rolls. I think for old time's sake, when... I record the intro for this episode. I'll record it with this microphone. So, Andrew, a lot of people want to know where is the show going to go from here? I mean, we're 200 episodes in. We have a theme park opening uh, pretty soon. We have a movie coming out in the fall, another movie next summer. Uh, what's what's our plan moving um, forward? I'm done. I don't know about you guys. It's okay. always I've always agreed to 200 uh, episodes. Uh, uh. No, well, we will. That's your that's your I contract. I think it's fair to say we will do this through part two, and we'll work from there. Now, I'm not saying we're going to end the show. I don't think MuggleCast will ever end. Um, and yeah, so I I think through the next year, absolutely, we'll continue doing shows every other week. 
And then we'll work from there and see what we can do. I mean, by that time, Joe may have the encyclopedia announced, and that could reveal a lot of new information. So don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. <laughs> I mean, there's always got wow. there always has to be some podcast to uh, follow Joe's Twitter. I think so. I mean, maybe maybe yeah. we'll just turn MuggleCast yeah. into Muggle Minicast, and whenever she issues a tweet, we'll just read it on the show and call it a day. I think that's fraught because it'll always be be pen and paper is my priority. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So thanks everyone so much for, you know, staying with us and we hope you enjoy the show. Can you, we hope you continue to enjoy the show. I mean, we still love recording. I think I love recording more than ever. It's just a lot of fun to do. Yeah. I think the spacing out though, you know, not to sound like, but you know, when we decided to move it to being, you know, almost bi-monthly, I, I think that it, it allows it us to keep it fresh and, and we get a lot, we are a lot more energetic, I think, coming into each episode. And I'll We're find myself in the, a lot more. Yeah. And there's more news and to I'll, talk I'll about. Find my, yeah. Well, I'll find myself in the off week. Like you just said, you know, I'll find myself in the off week wanting to record and I'll be like, Oh, I have another week to wait, you know, but at the same time I'm excited and I, and then I have, something to look forward to. I make mental notes and I'm more prepared to, you know, because I've been culling it over for, for two weeks yeah, now, yeah. uh, when to record. So that's a benefit. Yeah. So, um, thanks everyone so much. And, uh, I guess now that's, that's a great way to intro our interview with David Heyman. Like I said at the beginning, he's the producer of all the Harry Potter films. He's been there since the beginning. I mean, he got this whole thing started essentially, He's a great guy. You guys are going to love this interview. So uh, let's roll it. All right. Well, we are now joined by uh, the producer of what will be all eight Harry Potter films, Mr. David Heyman. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's our 200th episode of MuggleCast, so it's really great that you can be with us. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I feel very honored to be uh, on this, the 200th episode. That's amazing. (laughs) When was the first one? 2005. Uh, August... 2005. Wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, so to help the listeners uh, get an idea, um, can you tell us how you first got involved with, with Harry Potter? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, was a very fortunate person uh, to... I was very, in, in the right place at the right time. Um, I read uh, an unpublished manuscript and... Um, in, in, in 1997, the beginning of 1997, and fell in love with it. And as, uh, and there began my journey, I suppose. Um, I had no idea that it would become the phenomenon that it's become. Um, it was just something that I read and loved. Um, you know, it made me laugh, it moved me. I'd been to a school a bit like Hogwarts, but without the magic. Um, <laughs> I had friends who I, you know, who, 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 you know, who were important to me. I had friends who I fell out with. There were teachers who I liked and teachers who I didn't like. And it felt just, in, you know, entirely relatable. And yet at the same time, there was this sort of wish fulfillment aspect to, to it. Um, I loved it. It reminded me of those books that I read as a child and yet a completely fresh and new voice. And, uh, I fell in love, and so I sent it to Warner Brothers, with whom I had a relationship. They they were paying for my office in exchange for a first foot deal, and uh, I sent it to them, and and they didn't have a clue what what <laughs> what they were 
about to get their hands on, but uh, <laughs> I sent it to someone they called Lionel Wigram. Lionel was someone who I'd been to, you know, who I'd grown up with. I'd known him since I was around 13 years old. The first girl I ever really made out with was at a party thrown by Lionel. That's probably more detail than you need. But anyway, that was, that was a long time ago. Um, and I sent it to Lionel, and uh, he read it, and he liked it. And, uh, you know, there began the process. And I, I think that Warner's just, I mean, they really didn't have a clue. I'm not sure they even read it the, uh, besides Lionel at the beginning. But they they had this deal with me, and this was the first substantial thing that I'd submitted. And I think they were, you know, they wanted to show faith. And, um, you know, it's worked brilliantly for, for, for everyone, everyone concerned. I would but say. clearly I was in the right place at the right time, because if I'd, I'd just moved back to London, if I'd moved back six months later... Somebody else might have gotten it. Though actually, there were people who who, who did read it and, and passed on it. It wasn't like it was you know, everybody was convinced that this was going to be a, you know, this was a film. But certainly before it had been published. Wow. Right. Well, well, going into the production of of making the books into the movies, were the studios prepared for the attention that the movies were going to receive? I mean, having had so much time to now see the this fan base and how passionate it is. Um, I think that, I think uh, the, when we, you know, it took a, the negotiation was quite long to, to, to acquire the rights. And, uh, uh, we eventually, you know, Warner Brothers secured the rights sometime just before the book was published in, the first book was published in the United States. One's going to understand that, and it's hard to think of this now, but Harry Potter was in large part a, a word of mouth phenomenon. It wasn't one that, that, you know, huge marketing dollars, um, led you know, sort of created the, the, the goodwill that, that the books earned. Uh, but it was people, you know, it was kids talking to kids, parents talking to parents, and, 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 and the, the, the fan base built. So when we optioned the book, they're really, and when actually we, even when we hired Steve Clovis to, to adapt the first book, it was still not a phenomenon. However, by the time that it reached Number one, number two, and number three on the New York Times bestseller list. I think they 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 realized that there was something that was you know that that that, that, it, that there were huge possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I don't you know I, I remember on that opening weekend of the, of the first film when it came out in the cinemas. I think everybody was in a bit of shock at quite the fervor, the passion, and you know the 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 amount of people that were coming to see these films. Right. <laughs> Warner's had already by that point committed to making a second. Yeah. You know, when they were making the first, when we were making the first, we'd already we knew we were going to make the second. When we were making the second, we knew we were going to make a third. So we were always one one ahead, as it were. So I think they had a sense that there would be an audience, but I think that the extent of that audience um, and the passion of that audience, I don't think they were quite prepared for. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. And we've seen, you know, how the fan sites have grown. You know, MuggleNet started um, back in 1999 with a few other select sites. And just, you know, as the fandom itself has grown and, and you know, has sought resources, you know, on the Internet and, 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 you know, otherwise, it's, you know, we've seen how it's grown so much throughout the years. And obviously, I mean, it's it's cool to hear you talk about that and how um, the studios and, and all that reacted to it. Now, um, has the relationship or how has... Um, the relationship between the studios and the fans uh, adapted? Like, how has it, would you say, um, changed throughout the years? Because I'm not sure I understand, I understand the question. I mean, I, I can tell about how we approach the films mm-hmm. um, is, 
you know, how I, you know, I'm a fan. I love yeah. Joe's books, and I think people working on the films feel the same way. You know, our, our desire is to make the very best version of these films we can. And clearly there are many different versions of a Harry Potter book that you could do, uh, that you could make, and, the, and, and we have to make choices about what we choose to emphasize and, and what we don't emphasize. And uh, There was a big moment when we were starting the third film, when Alfonso Cuaron came aboard, where we really, in order to give the film some form of cinematic structure, we decided to tell the story from Harry's point of view, and things that didn't relate Many of the things that didn't relate to Harry's journey itself fell by the wayside. Some things that I love, actually, and, 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 and miss uh, in the film. So in terms of filmmakers to audience, the, you know, to, to the fans, there is great respect for the fans. There's great respect for Joe's work. And we do show each, you know, the script to Joe. And Steve Clovis clearly has a keen understanding of Joe's voice. Um, I think when she, when she first met Steve, I think that was the thing that I think that that first meeting was one of the most scary things for her because this was the person who was you know, a, a fellow writer, mm-hmm. um, um, and he was being entrusted in a way with 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 with, with the adaptation, and I think she was greatly relieved. I remember that meeting so well, you know, drive, you know driving her to the studio, we're having lunch with Steve, and then driving her afterwards back to her hotel and how how relieved she was by having met him um, uh, but you know we we have to so we're all incredibly respectful and passionate about the material that being said we all we have to make choices we have to make choices that will please some and not necessarily please all because what you become acutely aware of as a producer when you receive the number of um, of letters that, that I do, that we do, each with it, you know, everybody like loves and misses something different. <laughs> everybody has their own interpretation, so it's going to be impossible for right. us to to please everybody. And so we have to make a very, we ourselves as fans um, have to make certain choices. These would be the studio. Um, you know that they, I think, have come to. You know, I think they, they've always respected the fans and, 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 and actually I think respected the work first uh, and then the fans. And clearly with that have been things have been difficult with regard to fan sites and fans. Um, you know, and, it's, and I know it hasn't always been a smooth relationship. But I do believe Warner Brothers, and I'm not Warner Brothers, I'm an independent producer who's making yes. these films for Warner Brothers. <laughs> but I do think that they have, which is a very important distinction, um, I, I have had, I do believe that they... I really do believe that they that that they have Joe's that they that they really do care about Joe's materials. Most certainly, in the way they've supported myself as a producer, and not just the resources, but the independence they've given us in allowing us to make the decisions, as opposed to being mired in you know so many different voices. Um, right. You know, which can happen on many studio films. Yeah, they've been I, very respectful. Yeah, I know one of the things you just brought up, difficult decisions, um, you know, the Marauder storyline and, and I think the house elves are kind of the two things that, that stick out amongst fans. Um, you know, obviously, you know, very I difficult. Whole to host, I think there are a whole host more. <laughs> the funeral, um, you know, um, the, the memories, you know, the, right. you know, I mean, 
boy, oh boy, I, I, you know, there are, I'm sure if there was a voodoo doll for me, <laughs> there'd be quite a few pins in there for, 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 for missed things. But, but again, if we followed the house elf story, it would, you know, these films are as they are, two hours and 30 odd minutes. It just become, and some people think they're too long. Some people may not think they're long enough, but, um, many, you know, some people do think they're, they're too long. And I think it's just, to give a clear story, a defined narrative, means that you have to make some choices. Right. Well, w- with effect to the... Sorry. Book, <laughs> no, we understand. I'm we sorry, understand. Really, I am because no. I love to battle with. I, I thought I thought um, the Dumbledore uh, death scene at the end of Half Blood Prince was was was. I, I thought it was just fine. I didn't miss. Um, and and clearly that would have been a lot more people to cast, and it would have kind of been a mess of you know a, a huge amount of actors at the at the funeral scene. Well, I mean, just so you know, the reason behind it wasn't actually purely an economic one, though. You know yep. that. In spite of the vast sums that Warners give us, it's an or you, any film you make, you always want more. Though some of the best decisions are made through having to work within budgets, I feel. Uh, but Dumbledore's funeral is an interesting one because it was in the book. It was one of my favorite scenes. I I shed a tear, you know, when I read the book. It really, I found it incredibly moving. But in terms of in in a film, how many scenes of grieving we could have. Yeah. Um, it felt that it would be not redundant, clearly not redundant, but that, that at that stage in the film, we would be, we would be, well, I think our concern was that we would be in, 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 a, in a place of melancholy for too long or a place of grieving, and there would be a repeated emotional or similar, similar beat that we were repeating on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, talking about taking the Potter books and making them uh, into movies. Do you do you think this has helped other books be greenlit? You know, in, in, into for other films as well. This has kind of you know laid the groundwork. Well, I when I moved back to London in 1996, I decided that books was going to be the foundation of my my you know of, 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 of my business of, of, of how I produce. I love to read. I'm a voracious reader, and books traditionally have had the greatest success in terms of going from development to films, more so than, 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 than pictures or other such things. They have had great success. Um, so that was my, you know, I love to read and I thought that there were many reasons why, but it, traditionally they have been quite successful in terms of being made. Um, I do think that what Potter, you know, and I think there's been interest in family entertainment, but I think that you know, the success may have paved the way for, you know, revisiting certain books, whether it be Narnia or, 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 or I mean, Lord of the Rings is already in, 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 in the works, but I think it gave it, um, fresh blood, you know, fresh life. Right. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I can't honestly say clearly there's a lot more. The success of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and, 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 and Narnia has meant there are a lot more book, I would say, family book um, books that find their way to screen like Direct One the Kid or Percy Jackson or I think people are looking in that direction maybe a little more than they have. But you look back through time, you know, Snow White and Disney's been adapting Jungle Book, you know, been adapting children's books for for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's an exclusively contemporary um, thing. Yeah. 
No, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and 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 you know, being a, a voracious reader, that's absolutely excellent. Um, now, while you were on the subject, I did want to bring up. Um, we looked, and we see that you're currently attached to two upcoming book adaptations. Um, the first is Paddington Bear by W. B. and uh, the second is Curious Incident of the Dog in Nighttime. Can you comment yeah. on on either of those? Because I'm really excited, particularly for the Dog in Nighttime, to see that to fruition. Are both projects still in the works? Yes, um, Curious Incident of the Dog of the Nighttime is another book that I optioned before it was published. Um, I just read it and, 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 and felt that Mark Haddon had a really distinctive voice and that this was a very moving and powerful story. Steve Clovis has been a little busy of recent working on the Harry <laughs> film. We attached him as writer and director way back when he directed, uh, he's directed a couple of films, but film, I, I mean, I love both his films, but his first film was a film called Fabulous Baker Boys. And he is really capable of capturing the voice of an author, as he's done with Potter. And I was really excited when he said yes to, to you know, having not directed for so long, um, since Flesh and Bone, that he would do this. But um, I've been waiting for quite a while, but that's because he's been busy. Um, he says, he assures me that, uh, you know, sometime in, in, in the next, in the next uh, six to 12 months, uh, I will see a script. And that'll be really exciting. So yes, it's very much in the works. Clearly not a film on the scale of Potter, a more modestly sized film, but one that I think could be great. And then Paddington, um, I love Paddington, you know, it's part of my childhood. And, um, we've got a, a wonderfully talented, uh, young director called Paul King, who's done the adaptation, um, and will hopefully, well, is attached to direct. And he's just doing the final flourishes to the script, and then we'll turn it into the studio. Um, you know, the, the difficulty, you know, the time, alas, the times that we're in right now means that, you know, what the studios are really interested in is major brands. And I think, uh, you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Batman, comic books, and then books like Harry Potter. Of course, there are other things, but it's, it's, it's harder. Um, and Paddington is is well known in, in Britain and in other territories, Japan and Australia, and um, but but it's not a big bestseller in, in in America. So I've got to navigate that minefield uh, before bringing it uh, to, to to the screen. But they seem they seem positive, and and you know, and Winnie the Pooh was just announced. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Another bear, another British bear. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, you know, I'm really hopeful, and, and and we're going to do everything I can to to see it made. I think yeah. Paul will do a brilliant job with it. I think I may ask you for the lottery numbers for tonight between Potter and uh, you know, all these other films that that you've been able to land. <laughs> I'm a very lucky man. Yeah, well, you've done a, a tremendous, tremendous job. Thank and we really so appreciate it as fans, though. We can't tell you enough. Thank you. Well, you know, some, some, somebody said something. The, one of the nicest compliments I had, I, this weekend I was visiting some friends, and um, a, my friend's son said to me you know, that, that one of the things that, that they, they love the films, and he said, you know, they're, they're so much better than they need to be. And I took that as a real compliment in the sense that I do think that, that, that each time we're trying to make the last, the, the latest film better than the one before. Mm-hmm. We're really ambitious for the films, you know, Stuart Craig and David Yates now, and, and everybody is, 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 everybody working on it is, is, is hungry, is determined to make this part of the best one yet. And that's, 
you know, nobody is complacent. Nobody is just resting on their laurels. And, and, you know, I'm sure we make mistakes. And I'm sure that there are certain things we could have done better. But we most certainly, you know, we don't settle. And, um, and, 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 and the studio has been supportive in that, I have to say. You know, they, they encourage us to, to reach and give us the, the independence to do so. And the fan, you know, we, we have a, uh, we have, I feel we have a great responsibility to the, to, to the fan base. I mean, you know, your fans and, and the other people, you know, all the, all the ever-growing websites and, and, you know, the people who send letters and, you know, it's, it's, there is a real responsibility there, I think. Mm-hmm. We have a, um, we have a few, sh- uh, few more questions for you. And, uh, it's, Fire away. oh, it's a bit of a, a lighter segment here where we, um, we do it. We call it favorites. We'd like to know, um, first and foremost, your favorite book. Wow. Um, I think I, God, that's really hard. I, I, the first one, each, it's funny because I've been, these have been so much a part of my life. Each one marks off a certain time of my life. And the first one, that, First love, as it were, when I first read *Philosophers or Sorceresses in America Stone*, um, was really just, you know, I was caught up in this world. I love the third book, um, um, and I, uh, the scale of the fourth. Um, I, I love the, me- I love, I love all the memories in the sixth, even though very few of them have found their way into the film. <laughs> and. Um, I love the way T- Harry is so wound up and tight in the in, in the fifth, and what and the discoveries he makes. And of the seventh, I think that that, that Joe outdid herself um, with her final offering. I think it's just the most fantastic book. Yeah. Okay. Um. Do you have a favorite villain? Voldemort. Voldemort, really? Yeah, I, I have to say I love Snape. But oh. he's not really a villain, is he? No. <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking of Umbridge because she's obviously quite... Well, I tell you, what I love about Umbridge is I think she's delicious. Yeah. I love her, you know, I think that she's... Rafe, I mean, I, I think Voldemort, in some ways, is the most challenging, was one of the most challenging decisions we had to make and choices and, and the creation of that character because he is... You know, we've been, we've been building to him for four films and he's got to carry us through the next. Um, as it turns out, four, and he is the embodiment of evil. And there have been so there have been many attempts at it, and to try and make Voldemort distinctive was. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of the way that Rafe and Mike helped, you know, conceive of and 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 and, and you know, sort of Joe's helped adapt Joe's villain. Um, I love Umbridge in Five. I think she is. <laughs> She, what I like about her is, 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 is her smile and her pink and her, her little giggle. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Imelda Staunton yes. really is wonderfully irritating. Yeah, I, I remember uh, one of our other hosts used to say all the time that when he was reading the books, he used to literally start hitting things when Umbridge uh, would would be brought up, and he felt that Imelda Staunton did exactly that in, in movie yeah. five. It just makes you want to, you know, jump into the screen and, and attack her. Well, I love the scene in five where how, just what I what I uh, one of the things I like about Umbridge is, is is her quietness and how much she's about control. Um, and yet she is so abusive. That scene with the quill, where the quill is writing on Harry's hand in the films, is one of my, I think, one of the most chilling scenes that that that, that we've had. Yes. Um, most disturbing and uncomfortable. And yet it's a scene of that's very with those cats, those sweet purring cats. Yes. All you know, 
the the all the outer veneer of softness masks this truly horrible you know, thing. Horrible, India. and I found that scene to really make me feel very, very uncomfortable, very hard to watch, mm-hmm. and the slowness of it. The yeah. scene was it's it's allowing it to to breathe, and that handwriting not being too quick, and you feel it just digging into him. Oh, I just and I love the way that Harry looks at her towards the end of that scene the, the, the resolve um, no, that's, that's one of my, my favorites but I also like the fact because I think it's not always easy is, is I think she's very funny uh, yeah. I think you take great pleasure in her wickedness um, so yes I think it's a very good character to bring up oh yeah. but so is Voldemort <laughs> no no I love me listen Voldemort's sort of more obvious yeah but I think that I think that uh, I think more obvious just because, but it, but it is, as I, as I said before, it's, if you think about, it, it's easy now, now that he's there. Yeah. But when we were trying to conceive him, who are we going to cast? How are we going to dress him? Um, there was, believe it or not, a big debate about the nose. Um, because Rafe was unsure about losing his nose. <laughs> that dialogue. And, uh, but how all those pieces, and, and the decisions not to make him have slit eyes. Yes. Now the reason for that was that that the eyes of the window, you know, are, are so important. And if you if you gave him slit eyes, it would. I know that Voldemort is inhuman, but we felt that the lack of humanity or humanity was really important to get across, and that was better done with seeing eyes. We felt making him slightly less of a creature. Um, but all those decisions that, that, you know, because every, every, there are so many decisions one, um, one makes with, you know, many that the fans or the audience don't realize, but everything is, is, is an accumulation of hundreds or thousands of decisions. I really feel the decisions we made for the race, for the most part, were really successful. Yeah. Well, going, to, I guess, a little bit more lighthearted away from the villains, uh, what, what do you think your, your Animagus or Patronus would be, for you specifically? A lion. Excellent. <laughs> no, I think, I think I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, you're, you're, we haven't you're, seen one of those, have we? No. <laughs> now the Potterfield. Take, about, take about what you will. Hey, that's fine. Um, the the now the films have filmed on location in in gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous areas. They do tours now to Scotland and England, looking for some of these places. Um, do you have a favorite place from your travels? Uh, you know, when working on these films. Well, yeah, I mean, I love going up to Scotland, you know, I mean, filming in the Highlands as we did on three, even in the terrible weather. Um, you know, we were meant to film there for five days and we ended up there for, I can't remember, 13, 14, 15 oh, wow. days because it was raining. And Alfonso, I remember Alfonso was just smiling away because the, the overcast, it all contributed to the aesthetic, um, which he wanted. Um, but boy, it was, it was very hard. But yeah, filming up there, I think that's one of the most beautiful, um, locations I've been on. Since that time, we've been doing more and more filming here at Leavesden because I think Warner Brothers was so... Well, two things. One, Warner Brothers were really didn't like the lack of control that the elements brings you. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, the nature of visual effects has improved such that we can, with green screen, we're able to make an environment um, extend far more than, than you know, and, and, and create, yeah, create environments that don't exist where we're actually filming them. So a lot of our work is plate work. Mm. 
Is there a, a musical piece or one of the film's scores that stands out to you that, that you're particularly proud of, that you thought was the best? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I remember first listening to Hedwig's theme when John Williams sent it, and really loving that. I love his score for the third film. Uh, yeah. I think that it's, it's wonderful, you know, it's very minimal compared to his, his scores can be a quite full and baroque in, in part, but I, I really responded to the more spare score, the, the, the ticking clock, you know, when you're going back in time, the yeah. playing over, I thought was beautiful. Um, I, in the fourth, I love Patrick Doyle's melody, and I think some of the, some of the pieces that Nick Hooper did in, in five and six were very, very moving. Um, you know, Pat Doyle at the end of four, um, when, 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 when we see the, the, uh, Beau leaving. And in five, I think some of, you know, I, I love the piece in six when Harry is getting Slughorn to reveal, you know, to, to hand over his memory. Mm. Um, Hagrid's heart, I thought was a very difficult piece of music and very moving. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the pieces that I like. So one, um, I'm sure one of the benefits of, of producing a film is seeing the props and the sets that are, you know, that have been, uh, constructed. If, if you could take a prop away from the films with the sets, uh, and I'm not suggesting that you have, if you could, what, what, which prop would it be that you would sort of take home, you know, as a keepsake? You know, it's funny. I have taken a few props <laughs> to film. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. We can edit that out. Um, no, no, I took, I took, I got a Quidditch. Um, box, you know, the box with the, with the, with um, the balls in it. Yeah. Oh, I've got one of those. And I I've, got a wand, I've got Harry's wand. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've been too busy actually to, 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 to cull the others, but I'm about to sit down, uh, the week after next with the head of props and, uh, take a few more things. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, yes, that would, uh, but, um, you know, I don't know. I really like, there's so many things that I, I, I think Harry's wand. I think is a very special thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I the snitch. Um, I I like the um, I, I like the and it's not in a book, but you know I love the the Jamaican um, heads. Heads. I think that 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 I that really every time I see the film makes me smile. <laughs> um, I would love to be able to take the 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 the, 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 the where all the memories are held. You know, that, that box, but I'm not sure that they'll allow me out of the studio with that one or I'll be able to leave it, leave it, leave with it sufficiently discreetly. <laughs> um, you know, from six. I think that's really beautiful. Um, I, uh, I, I like the, um, I, I like the, the, the Deathly Hallows, uh, emblazoned on the locket, uh, on, on Umbridge's locket. Um, mm. There are a lot of them. I think what what the departments here, what Stuart Craig and his team and the props and all the manufacturing, it's just it's 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 really incredible what they do. The detail. You know, in the films I, I almost wish I could invite and I can't, so, uh, but invite everybody to have a look at the level of detail that goes in these films and things that you don't really see. For example, in in the notice board in the Gryffindor Con room, which is probably my favourite set. Um, just because it's so comfortable and and mm-hmm. and, and cozy, uh, I mean, I like many sets, but I think that's just got a special place for me. Um, there's a notice board, 
and we really don't focus on that notice board. But on that notice board are class schedules, um, meeting groups, uh, warnings, notices, all of which have been hand drawn, and they just contribute to the to making the environment seem that much more real. Mm-hmm. So that the, when their actors in it are, are playing in it, they they have to think a little less. They have to you know, use their imagination a little less. It feels yeah. like what it is. Yeah. For, fortunately, um, I have been able to visit the, I guess, the traveling exhibition, which has props from the films. Just as you know, just as a, a hint. What do you of, think of that? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Just the detail, you know, and particularly the the bloody Baron's uh, costume. From yep. Philosopher's Stone, you know, he just does a a flyby. He's transparent, um, but the detail on that outfit at, is just amazing to see. And and you know, it's good to have an exhibition where you can see it in a glass case, a few feet from you know from your face to to yep. see it with that detail, because that is the environment in which you know a lot of these pieces deserve to be Thank to be you. seen. So, well, uh, I mean, the level of work that's done by the people here is is. Just again, they are, there's much more detail than there needs to be, and, and, and Warner's brothers have, have been generous enough to allow us to do that. But I think it also contributes to the, you know, to making the films feel as majestic and rich as they as as, as, as they are. I tell you, one of my favorite costumes, which you I'm not sure you've seen yet, because I don't think there's been any publicity stills, is Fleur de la Cœur's wedding dress. Oh, oh I wow. Must have. I mean, she's lovely, but the dress is. <laughs> um, so I, I now I recently went to the um, the theme park, which uh, has not. Oh, you yet. did. When did I, you go? Were you there uh, last week? When? No, I was there. Um, what in in uh, the end of April, I think. Uh, no, the end of March. I'm sorry. So it was a couple months ago. But um, we heard that you were possibly there as well during that time. Um, I know, was there. I've been there th- three a couple of times. Um, you know, Universal has been very inclusive. One, they wanted to get the film look, and two. Especially with the main ride, they wanted to get, you know, because we work a lot with visual effects here, they wanted, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, actually they wanted it and I probably gave them more notes than they wanted <laughs> because I'm a bit of a pain in the derriere about this. I have so, you know, I can't let it go. Well, uh, even if it's a theme park, I yeah. can't let it go. Um, I think it's incredible what they've done. Yeah. They took us through Hogwarts and it looks great. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's, and it's, I don't know if you've seen it with the, you know, when, when you can see Ron and Hermione there and they, they project them, but it looks yes, like they're, yeah. they're really there. It's unbelievable. The, the new technology they developed there. Oh. They also, t- they talked to us. I did want to ask you about the three broomsticks because they talked to us about that being, um, in sort of conjunction with the three broomsticks that was going to be used in absolutely. the film for, for, for Deathly Hallows because the set had not been you know, created before, I guess, or they were... Well, the set had been drawn, but not completed, and I think that, that it was, there was a good dialogue, interesting dialogue between Stuart and, you know, just, yeah, absolutely, there was a, a conversation that was, that, that was had. I mean, it wasn't like we, we designed our set around the theme park. Right. They designed theirs around ours, but, but, um, it, 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 yes, there was, there was a dialogue between the two. It was, they were going on simultaneously. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, I, the, mind you, the hog, the hog's head is, is, is the hog's, it is a bit, it's, it's an amazing place at the, at, at the theme park. It's, it's much bigger than our set, um, because there'll be more people in it than there were making the film. Um, but it is, it's fantastic. I think people really enjoy going there for, you know, for, for refreshments. Well, and, and, you yeah. know, butter beer. Yeah. They've got butter beer, which, um, is amazing. Um, 
I have to confess, it's a little sweeter than than my palate can, can stomach. Um, but it's but everybody loved it. Joe loved it. I mean, from what I hear, Joe really loved it. Um, everybody really dug it. Um, but maybe it's just that I don't eat so much sugar. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they've been really interesting. They, 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 they've, they've, tr- they've made an effort to, you know, it's, there's not Coke, there's no branded, you know, I don't think there, are, I don't think um, there are branded soft drinks. You know, they've been really trying to, to be conscious of health and and all of that within it. But that was something that I think Joe stipulated. Um, but the butter beer is incredible. The the the, the, the white um, froth on top is. It's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, it is kind of mad that you work on these films and you make your own butter. And the next thing you know is, and Joe wrote these books, and here we are having butter beer uh-huh. in in the theme park. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, Deathly Hollows, whatever you are allowed yeah, sure. to, or, or whatever you feel yeah, free sure, to sure. Uh, to talk about. But uh, I know you guys have about a month of filming left. Yeah. Yep. Um, now at this point, have you guys decided um, where the film is going to be split, or yes. is that still yes, yet? Yes, we have. I mean, we 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 actually. It's funny. The script was written with an end in mind, and um, the first draft was written with one ending, and then as we developed it, it went to another ending, um, and then we reverted in all, in part to the original ending. Um, because we felt that it that it uh, that it allowed us a more emotional conclusion and felt like as a, it felt like it was more complete as it were mm-hmm. um but we've added this other scene which i think which i think is really amazing and i can't tell you where it break is i'm sorry but mm-hmm. i do feel that it will be it'll be incredibly dramatic very moving and will you know make people want to watch the next film uh, just can you can you confirm that it won't be in the middle of of ron and hermione's kiss that they'll go in for it and then the film will end and then i can confirm 100 okay. percent that that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> it's funny isn't it how 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 the gossip mill just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just take something and I don't know if that is, I haven't heard that. No, no, but, that was no. just me. I just I just created that. That's. I it could, if I if I had well if I had not answered that question, it would have been on. It would have it would have been, you know, on the I, gossip. Note. I'm terribly sorry to put you in that position. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very happy to answer that one. No, it's not <laughs> to be in, in the middle of it. That would leave if it was their kiss. There'd be very little left. <laughs> Oh, that's true. I'm I'm sorry. I forgot where that was chronologically. I thought that was when Ron returned. Um, but that's yeah. No, that, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, my bad. So, so with that type of decision, obviously you play a huge part in that. Is is that you and and the David Yates and and other people that that are involved in deciding the? Yeah, sport? I mean, it's Steve Clovis and David Yates and myself and and you know and, and David Barron's around too and you know so it's really. It's, it's, it's that sort of the, the group. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve writes, we look at it and, 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 and discuss it. You know, sometimes it's easy when you've got a, it's presented to you in a script. Though, funny enough, when you see a cut, I've already seen part one three times, two times, three times, um, in the most rough form because we haven't finished shooting. Um, and 
things become clear to you, you know, things become clear when you read it in the script, things become clearer when you see them in a cut version of the film. Um, so, uh, it became clear when we looked at the first cut that the ending wasn't quite as what we wanted, or we felt it could be better, and I think we've ended up with it in a much, 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 much better place. Nice. Now, what do you think is the, the standout scene? Without too much specifics, you know, what was the scene that that you had the most fun filming um, in this final bit? Well, I can give you a couple of good scenes. We had a lot of fun filming um, the Seven Harry scene where um, where they they drink the polyjuice potion and turn mm-hmm. into all become Harry. Just have Dan having to perform like all the others was very fun, <laughs> but I think very challenging for him, but really great. And I think the final battle is going to be fantastic. But I also like, there's, one of my favorite scenes is, so far, is the scene where Ron leaves. Um, because I think it's really moving. And, you know, for all the spectacle, you know, obviously the Battle of Hogwarts is going to be spectacular and all of that. But, but what I love the most in, 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 in the Potter films are the characters. For all the spectacle and for all the action and magic. I really love Harry, Ron, Hermione, Neville, Luna, all just the relationships between the various characters. Um, and so that scene when they leave, when, when Ron leaves, and also when, you know, we have a little moment, which I can, I, I, I can't elaborate on except to say that Ron, so that Hermione and Harry are alone, missing him, um, are some of the favorite, some of my favorite scenes that we've shot. In, in 10 years. Excellent. Um, okay, well, just two, I guess, two short bits here. Um, we do have a, a segment on our podcast called The Dueling Club, um, which is where we, we, we basically we choose a character in our heads, and uh, then we state the characters, and we face them off against each other, arguing in favor of the character we chose, who would win in a duel. Um, were you, would you think that's something you'd be interested in playing? Uh, my goodness, I'm going to be. Who, who would I be playing? Uh, you'd be playing against Micah, and you can choose whatever character from the from the Harry Potter books that that you could possibly think of. Okay. Okay. Do you uh, have your character? Yes. Okay, Micah. Do you have your character? Yes. Okay. Um, which one Mike, of you would you like go to go first? Just to give me a hand, <laughs> what I meant to do. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go with uh, with Bellatrix. Ah, excellent. I'll go with Snape. Wow. Ooh. Ooh, this is this is good. All right, gentlemen. Which, um, since Micah, you presented first, what is your argument in favor of Bellatrix beating Snape? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think. Uh, what, say, do, do you want? Do you want to accept defeat now? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know that that that's even a fair fight. I mean I know she's uh, she's a very powerful Death Eater and kind of Voldemort's uh, right hand woman, but I don't know that she would she would stand up very well in in a, in a duel against Snape. I think he's too powerful. I think uh, I think Snape is I think Snape is really under I think the power of Snape. I mean just because I I think we both agree that Snape would Snape Snape yes. would win. Yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. But I think um, and I didn't think of that just because you chose Bellatrix. So I was thinking about Snape because I think Snape is is very underrated. One, he has the ability to deceive brilliantly because yes. he deceived the Dark Lord for an extended period of time. Um, he also has been wanting to be, you know, uh, Professor of the Dark Arts forever, so you know 
that he is well versed in in in, in 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 all the dark arts and defense of as well, mm-hmm. or defense against, and um, um, and also, um, you know, he he's not too you know he's not too bad at potions either. <laughs> so he's a quite well-rounded um, wizard. Yes, in many ways. Yeah, um, I, I think that I th- I think he does have Achilles' heels, um, um, and maybe if she if if Bellatrix knew about Lily. Um, there may be a, a vulnerability there in some form or other. Though that actually was his, in many ways, was his greatest strength. Um, the fact that he was able to love, which of course is the thing that Voldemort is not able to. Bellatrix yes. is, because I suspect she's in love with Voldemort. I yeah, I, yeah. But she's I a bit of a head case, though. I, I think Snape could is. probably, uh, <laughs> he, he keeps his mind about him no matter what. So I think that gives him the upper hand right off the bat, probably. You feel he's very much, in, you're, you're right. I mean, he's very much in control and she isn't. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Micah, uh, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. No, thank you for playing, Stu. Uh, and I guess just, I, finally, um, you know, that, that's, that's all of our questions, really. Um, thank you okay. so much. Thank you so much. And no, thank you really. for all your support. I really, it's, it's fun. This is a really nice forum. Hey, good luck. Uh, good luck yeah. wrapping everything up. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. There you have it. Great job, guys. Great job. Well, well, thank what, you. what's, what stood out <laughs> for, for you guys with that interview with David? Eric, you want to go first, or yeah, I'll answer. I'll answer for you, and you answer for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, for Micah, it was uh, Bellatrix uh, getting getting the butt kicked. I think. I think. I think the dueling club. I think afterwards, immediately after that happened, I think Micah began tweeting and and you know all these references of I have a new favorite segment and, and all that stuff. I think it was just it was a great moment of. I mean, I just can't believe when David Heyman said. You know, do you just want to admit defeat now? Like, that's that's the producer of the Harry Potter films getting way too excited. I mean, not too excited by any means, but but very excited that he's just played this game on MuggleCast with the MuggleCast host and, and totally whooped our butts. So yeah, that, that's Micah's favorite. I think, you know, just to see that kind of level of excitement and enthusiasm in, in something that, you know, he didn't even have to do if, you know, he thought was, you know... Uh, cheesy or whatever you want to call it and and uh, you know to see that kind of level of intensity i guess and like what eric said yeah i thought that was pretty cool it was pretty funny actually too and yeah uh, you know i just like the way that that he was talking about different things just how passionate he was throughout the course of the interview especially when he was talking about you know the relationship that wb has and and, and even himself have, have developed with the fans and you know how how much time and effort goes into the decisions that they make about the films i mean you know and overall just how gracious he was with his time to be, to be able to sit down and, and and to talk with us um you know and and seem genuine about everything yeah right before the interview too we asked you know his his agent had called and you know we we were sitting down it was like i think it was monday morning and we were you know very nervous sitting down and i think i asked right before he came on you know how much time do we have to is like 20 30 minutes or whatever and yeah you know uh 20 20 or 30 minutes is fine we had you know as you guys just heard we had him for 45 minutes uh or or you know roughly 40 minutes of usable footage so i mean he just he just he answered all the questions we had i mean that's why at the end i was and like he probably oh. would have spoke for longer too yeah yeah which is very true so great job guys again i gotta say my favorite moment was him just i mean this is very broad but just he'll, 
the, my favorite moment Having was the whole the interview. <laughs> That's basically what I was yeah. going to say. No, it's just and a lot of the and a lot of the interview is good. Like, I mean, I think the whole interview is good. You know, he's it it flowed very well. I think it went you know from one thing to another. And 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 of course, I I actually really liked when he was talking about the other literature adaptations that he's that he's doing because um, I hadn't noticed it until he said it, but that he's devoted his career to sort to of books. books to movie yeah uh, yeah adaptations like. That is very interesting, and it's something that's you know unique to him, and 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 that he's done that. I, I went back and I looked at his filmography, and I'm like, oh yeah, these were all books, you know. So it's 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 very cool, and, I, and I, I it's fun. There's also one bit too. I don't know if you caught this, but I don't know if a lot of people listening the first time will have caught it. But he actually talks about making out with some girl. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> at a party. Yeah, <laughs> at a party when he was yeah. like, you know, it is teens or whatever, which I thought was kind of funny. He's like, that's probably more information than you need. But I think he was talking about it in reference to the, the one of the guys, one of his yeah, friends. Yeah, one of that the guys at WB. With. Yeah, he made out with him. Contact at WB. No, no, no. He, he made out with like some girl he, he at this with, guy's party. At this guy's party, and that was like the third question we asked him. Like, was what led to that answer? And uh, you know, right away we knew that it was going to be a great interview. Like he was so candid. He was so uh, personal and personable. You know, he's just he's just a great guy. Like. He's a guy I could foresee having back on, uh, you know, just to do Dueling Club even in the future. Spe- special <laughs> I'm sure guest that, dueler. that I think, he, I think he, does, the, he has time for that. I really think that would stick out in his mind. Well, I mean, a lot of people will say when you when you posted that preview of, of you know, we will have Heyman on, a lot of people were saying, wow, we can't believe you got him because he's so busy now. Like, it, it was it was pretty cool. And I think it was due to the, the fact that this is our 200th episode that, you know, I not that he so, sensed obligation or anything, but that, you know, even... Even when we told him it was a 200th episode, he congratulated us like heartfeltly and, and genuinely. So I think I think that I think that helped. I, you know, I mentioned this in the post too, and it was just interesting listening to you know how candidly he talked about if he hadn't moved back to London in 1999, if he had moved back six months later, if even probably, you know, two months, three months later, how he would not have been involved in Harry Potter and how his life would be completely different. Um, you know, and that's how he got into talking about his connection at WB and, and the girl he made out with when he was you know, 16 <laughs> or whatever it was. But, you know, it, it's just interesting, you know, always kind of getting the background information on, on how people get involved with things. Like we always hear about how, you know, Heyman was sitting in the theater with Dan Radcliffe and his parents, you know, a couple rows up, um, you you know, and it's just to get that backstory and for him to be so open talking about it. Um, you know, that was kind of cool. So now let's move along to make the connection. As I said, Jamie, unfortunately, he really wanted to be on this week, but he couldn't. But he made up some make the connections for us. Now, this is different from make the music connection. The original segment we used to do on MuggleCast was called make the connection. So basically, Jamie would list a something very obscure uh, it, these are very difficult, and you have to you have to you have to connect it to Harry Potter. Um, so, Eric, can I give you the first one? Now, is it um, is it you reading them, or is it Jamie I'll, reading I'll read them? As an audio clip I know, of... I'll read them. Oh, okay. Somehow, that well, makes I'll less read fun. it in no Jamie's offense. accent if that helps. Oh, that's okay, cool. Let me, let me just let me just get into it here. All right, all right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Make the connection between. Harry Potter and wondering whether Roger Federer's tennis racket has a picture of Marilyn Monroe in its wallet. 
Um, I think there's a lot of downtime in sports, and maybe not for the seeker. Um, but on Quidditch, you know, if you're sitting on the bench or maybe Harry at tryouts, you know, I, I think just in the locker room when you're getting changed in the books, you know, you're, you're thinking a lot of weird stuff and a lot of interesting stuff happens. And uh, I, I think that that would be kind of the, the thoughts going through their heads sort of either before or after a game, probably before a game. You know, you're just you're just showering. You're waiting for the game to start. There's not a whole lot, and I, I think I think they would be thinking about you know tennis rackets and and g- pictures of girls on them. I think that's uh, I think that's very uh, you know not unheard of in 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 school sports. So, Micah, make the connection between Harry Potter and asking an atheist cactus whether it's ever been to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, Jamie's just, uh, he needs to write for like a, a television show or something like that because he's just got this imagination that. Uh, do, do you want an easier things. one? He, an no, no, I, an atheist cactus, whether it's ever or not been to Hawaii. He's been, oh, it's ever been to Hawaii. I, I, I guess that would be like um, asking the Whomping Willow where it came from. I, I, I really have nothing better that's than true. that. That's true. Sorry. I mean, because the Whomping Willow okay. can move, so you would think that could possibly. Get up and walk to Hawaii. Maybe the uh, or it will throw itself to <laughs> across the. What what if what if the, what if the Whomping Willow had like a Jamaican accent? Like what if instead of the shrunken head, the Whomping Willow had 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 like a Jamaican accent? Like yeah, man, you know, don't prod the knots. You're gonna you get underneath the. I don't know. But an atheist cactus. That's, <laughs> that's I'm trying that's to brilliant. think. Like there's no real religion in the Nor series. Plants, so. Like cactuses. I mean, uh, yeah. You can compare it to the uh, things that scream. What about one for you, Andrew? Okay, ask me one. Okay. Yeah. Do do your Jamie. Don't do Simon Cowell. Andrew, you kind of oh, sound like sorry. Simon Cowell. No, I hear no, him like more Jamie. than I hear Jamie. Are you Are you going to give one to yourself? Oh, you can give me or? one. So it doesn't... All right. Make the connection between Harry Potter and eating a roast duck cooked by Tiger Woods aboard the International <laughs> Space Station. <laughs> <laughs> I could do the first half of that, but the aboard the International Space Station really throws me. Um, so, so, so let's say that um, you know they're having a hard day, you know, trying to solve all the mysteries of Hogwarts, and and uh, poor poor Harry, you know, he's really hungry and he doesn't really want to go into um, the fr- uh, he doesn't want to go into the Great Hall and ask you know to get to get some food. So instead, him and Ron come up with the idea of of going into the forbidden forest and and they find a um they find a duck and they roast it <laughs> but well they were planning on roasting it but they actually run into Tiger Woods beforehand and cuz he was in the forbidden forest looking for um some trolls and so he cooked no, the I duck No I think he's Andrew I think you I think I think you mean some tail some tail yes <laughs> uh so um and then they they roasted it and then for a nice view while they Eight, they headed up to the astronomy tower. <laughs> I can't. I don't even know how we're supposed to connect these exactly. It's very. Well, I think you're supposed to. You're supposed to tie it like into the series. You don't necessarily have to reference exactly. Right, what, right, right. You know. Well, that's right. the best. Uh, duck, the duck could be like the feast in the the great hall. Or I put my like new that. spin on it. Yes, that's a good one. Thirty. <laughs> Um, but I don't know how you tie into. Well, Tiger maybe Woods. they just found out um, that somebody was cheating on someone, but there's nothing. There's no really cheating in the book, so. So that's how we play. Make the connection, and thanks, Jamie, for sending in those items. So to wrap up the show, we have three emails here: uh, two Muggle mails and one chicken soup. Uh, Eric, could you read the first one from Emma? 
Yes, Muggle Mail from Emma. Could this be Emma Watson? 22 from the UK. Hello, MuggleCasters. I have never written in before, but wanted to say congratulations on reaching your 200th episode. I am one of the old crowd. I have been listening since the release of the very first MuggleCast and have never missed an episode. When you began, I was 17 and studying for my A-levels. I am now 22 and about to complete my master's degree. A lot has changed for me, and MuggleCast has grown just as much. You should all be very proud of what you have achieved, and we are all so lucky to have grown up with Harry Potter. Keep up the fantastic work. Lots of love, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Yeah, that's wow. an, that's another uh, nice thing about the show. Like, we have really grown. And, I mean, this could be said about any show, but a, a nice thing is that you can grow up with the show. It's, it's sort of like a constant. It's always there. There's always MuggleCast lurking in the background. Releasing. But she said something. Yeah. She also said, you know, we're, we are all so lucky to have grown up with Harry Potter. And I think that's true. It, yeah, it's true. If there were, if there were like a, I don't want to say tagline to the show, but you know that just seems to be that's that's echoed. That's that's a truth. Micah, can you read the next email? I can. Uh, the next email comes from Erin, also 22, but from Columbus, Ohio, and she says, I just want to take the time to show my appreciation of what you guys do. I started listening to MuggleCast way back at the beginning, but got away from it while I was in college because there wasn't enough time to listen. I recently got reacquainted with the show, and I have to say, it's even better than I remember it, which is quite the accomplishment, since you all rocked at the beginning, too. Uh, I work a job that can at times be quite mind-numbing. I spend eight hours a day staring at my computer, and every so often I get to type some numbers or letters, and I'm very grateful to have my job, and the people I work with are highly entertaining, but on our quieter days, it can be very boring. Sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. I used to listen to music on my iPod all day, but that got old after a while, listening to the same music day after day. That's when I decided to get caught back up on MogoCast. I listened to the most recent episodes on iTunes. Lately, I've been downloading the older episodes in the archives and working my way through the awesomeness. You guys give me great amusement when I'm bored out of my skull, and there's been more than one occasion at work where I've been caught laughing out loud at something you've said. Thank you for giving me things to think about and putting a smile on my face when things are dull. You guys rock. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Aaron. Nice email. It's awesome. We we always post we we post emails from people who are actively perusing the archives. I think, <laughs> you know, who are like, uh, you know, because it's a testament to 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 how devoted and and the support that we get, which we which really you know makes us feel. Yeah, good. you know, I was listening to episode one hundred yesterday because something some I think I read somewhere somebody said they were listening. I was like, oh, let me pull it up. It's a good episode, yeah. but my God, at the beginning of the episode, I am talking so fast. And it's just because I was so nervous. Like, that was a huge event. And, oh, yeah. man, I, I wish I could go back and talk slower. <laughs> it's, well, people I, enjoyed I, the episode, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but in hindsight. You guys all looked very good in that at that episode, by the way. You guys were all oh, dressed thanks. up. Yeah, right? gee, thanks, Micah. Was there, was there video? Because I thought there yeah. was. Yeah. You know what? I, uh, yeah, I there, there was. was video. And I think we had to pay to buy I, the I tapes. I kept asking you to yeah, get it. Yeah, we have video. Yeah, we do a video. I don't, God, I don't know where it is. It's probably around here somewhere. I, I just remember the light fixture nearly killed me, and 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 I think it was Jamie too, who was next to me, like, 
because we had we had people on three levels. We had listeners on three levels of the store, I think. There or, or maybe just two levels. There was the floor we were on, <laughs> and then the floor yeah, directly above this. us. Yeah, the floor directly above us at Waterstones. And we said, and hello. Up, upstairs there were TVs, and yeah, we we were doing like shoutouts, like hello to just everybody. Are there actually people upstairs? And then they all started stomping. And they your started feet. stomping. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and we could hear it, <laughs> and, and, and it it they they busted one of the light fixtures th- above us because i I, th- I think we heard the glass crack or something happened where the light maybe yeah. flickered and uh yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. Fine. so we asked them to to tone it down and the final email for today is a chicken soup from cassie hey muggle casters i've been a long time listener of the show and i thought it was about time i emailed in and showed how much all of you have touched my life I have BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, and it pretty much consumes my life. It makes getting out of bed hard, it's hard to go to work, and just be in public at all. It makes me anxious, among so many other things, and it's very hard to deal with. Whenever I have a bad day with it, I pick up my iPod and listen to episodes of MuggleCast, and honestly, it makes all the difference. You guys distract me with all your jokes and wonderful insight. I just want to say thank you all so much for everything you do, not only for the fandom, but for the fans and your listeners. You do a truly amazing job, and I look forward to every new episode like it's Christmas. Love always, Cassie. So thank you, Cassie, and we're glad we we help you out as well. You know, the show is somewhat uh, therapeutic, you know, because it's fun to do, and we just have a lot of fun. And knowing the impact it makes on several of our listeners... It also, you know, makes makes it worth doing alone. So, yeah, we've had a lot of chicken soup over the course of uh, 200 episodes. Uh, you yeah, know, we're kind of tired of soup. <laughs> we'll we'll we, have to we rename no. the segment. Chicken, uh, chicken peas. It's metaphorical. It <laughs> no, means but it, it, warm you up yeah, inside. It's always great, um, you know, to hear from listeners and and to know that, you know, if there is something difficult that may be going on with them that, that we're able to provide them, you know, that sort of release just to get away, whether it's, you know, an hour or, you know, however long our show is, um, you know, it, it's always kind of, it's touching to hear from, you know, Definitely. all those listeners. So I think that concludes this episode. It's been a great one. Thanks to David Heyman for coming on the show. And I should say thanks to all the hosts for 200 great episodes. Thanks Mike and Eric and Jamie and Ben and Matt and Laura and everyone else has been on from time to time. Elisa, Kevin, and Nick, Kevin, Nick, Mikey, Mikey B, B, of course. Do we have Andy? Andy, on there's been point? a lot of characters on the show. Aris, Aris Janatakis. He was on our second episode. Louis, special thanks to this one's this for you. This one's for you, Aris. <laughs> this one's for the listeners. Um, yeah, and anyone else who's made a guest appearance on the show, everyone who's called in, the transcribers, all the listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you, and it's. And everyone else who's come on the show, like you know, we've we've spoken with special guests: Warwick Davis, Mary Grand Prix, Patrick Doyle, Jim Dale. Yeah, yep, good, good lineup. And now David Heyman. So we want to encourage you, as always, to visit the MuggleCast website. It's got all the information that you'll need about the show. We have links to our iTunes page, uh, where you can rate and review us. You can follow us on Twitter. And the URL is twitter.com slash MuggleCast. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MuggleCast. And just visit MuggleCast.com for lots of information about the show. You know, episodes, transcripts about us, pictures of Micah, you know, whatever you want. It's there on MuggleCast.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, thank you for every episode you've listened to and for your support. And we will continue to bring you lots of excellent MuggleCast. I'm Andrew Sims. 
I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Antonio. We'll see you next time for episode 201 with uh, some reviews from us of the theme park. From the theme park grand opening. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. For the 200th time, good night. <laughs> <laughs> for the 200th time, get out of here. No, 200. I don't know. Okay. <laughs>